on. I'm on three seats. Look, there goes the game. You're listening to a summer edition of Ithaca Now. WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Tara Lynch, and thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we'll be taking a look at how the pandemic has affected mental health and the challenges for international students in the light of recent announcements from the U.S. government. But up first, WICB News Correspondent and ICTV News Director Erica Liberati, along with News Director Jay Bradley, spoke to officials to explore what is going on with the census in light of the pandemic. In the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, remembering to do even the little things can be a challenge. 2020 has already proven to be a monumental year. And looking forward to the fall, we have a presidential election. In the midst of it all, it's also a census year. Every 10 years, every person living in the United States gets counted through the census to determine the population of the United States and its municipalities. Our primary goal is to get a complete and accurate count of every single person living in the United States. They don't have to be uh, a resident. They don't have to be a citizen. They simply have to be living in the United States. But COVID-19 has made getting a complete and accurate count of the population difficult. Dates have had to be changed, and modes of getting the word out about the census have moved almost completely virtual. Jeff Baylor, director for the U.S. Census Bureau New York region, says that their normal mode of telling people to fill out the census had to be rethought. Probably the most important thing that we had to suspend are the work that our partners do. So throughout upstate New York, throughout Tompkins County and Ithaca, we have partners, whether it's Cornell University, whether it's community-based organizations or faith-based leaders who are planning events around Census Day, you know, to bring people together, whether it's at the local library or bringing tablets into a church to allow the parishioners during coffee hour to fill out their census. Those are some of the things we had to stop. And that's where we've seen probably the biggest impact that COVID-19 has had. The other large impact the coronavirus had was financial impacts. Michael Lane of the Tompkins County Complete Count Committee said that not-for-profits across the county were supposed to get $130,000 in grant aid for census outreach contracting. That never came. None of it was ever paid by the state. We never received any any grant funding from the state to assist us in, in publicizing the census work that we're trying to do. So we're back to square one. We now have crafted a budget, our administration, a small budget, comparatively. And we're probably going to ask for a contingent request of uh, funds for that budget. And that'll be things like uh, everything from lawn signs to uh, social media ads to try to uh, get the population to respond. Getting an accurate count of the census is important for every city, as it affects various elements of government, according to Baylor. An undercount could change the landscape of any community for the next 10 years. We know local governments will use this data for their redistricting purposes for drawing voting precincts and school districts. Businesses will use this data over the next decade to determine where they want to expand. And then when we talk about the hundreds of billions of dollars of federal funding that are disseminated to communities throughout the nation every year based upon formulas that use census data. So this is things like uh, Medicare and Medicaid and food stamps and TANF. It's for education, whether it's Pell Grants, lunch and breakfast programs, class size, 
Title I grants, when we look at the infrastructure, improving our roads and, and transportation systems, and then healthcare. I can't think of a more uh, important reason to fill out your census than to support your local healthcare community. When you see the strain that has been put on them, let's make sure our healthcare providers have the resources that they need. Let's make sure communities have the, the right number of hospital beds. Let's make sure that when we, our local leaders are making decisions like how many vaccines our community may need, they're making it using the best possible data. The process for filling out the 2020 census is pretty straightforward. Those living in the United States respond with the address they were residing as of April 1st. When the coronavirus pandemic hit the United States and caused nationwide shutdowns in mid-March, people found themselves leaving their residences to be with family or friends during quarantine, especially college students. Tompkins County has three colleges, Ithaca College, Cornell University, and Tompkins Cortland Community College. When the schools moved to remote instruction, students left the county to return to their hometowns. Filling out the census was the last thing on their minds. An accurate count of college students in the county is extremely important, as they make up a large part of the population when school is in session, said Doreen Hedich-Atkins, Director of Strategic Planning and Administration at Ithaca College. They're used to determine how we're represented in the state and federal legislature. They're used to determine what kind of federal and state funds come to the Ithaca area. Um, They're also used to determine Pell Grants, which go directly to college students. So any undercount has a significant impact for the next 10 years on the Ithaca community, particularly if we undercount the college students, because once you come to campus, you're half the population. So if we undercount half of our population, Ithaca is really losing out on some phenomenal resources that our students use. You know, it's used for infrastructure, roads, and highways, and those kinds of things. But it's also used to support social service agencies where many of you work or where many of you use the services. Now that the county is in phase four of reopening, census organizers and advocates are scrambling to get the word out to college students that they need to fill it out at their school address, not their hometown one. And there are multiple ways to fill out the census, according to Amy Brombos. Supervisory Partnership Specialist of the New York Regional Census Center. One is online, the easiest and most efficient way to do it, at 2020census.gov. You complete the census right online. We get that data real time. It takes maybe 10 minutes to do. It's not long at all. Or you can call on the phone. And again, we offer phone service in English as well as 12 non-English languages. Or everybody received the census form in the mail. Or you can wait for an enumerator to come to your door. The good news is this. Students living in on-campus dormitories have already been counted through a process called group quarters. The schools handle that, according to Atkins. So a couple of things happen on campus. So any students who lived in a residence hall on campus during the spring semester were counted automatically. We were able to send your data to the census so that if you lived on campus, you are counted, you are done, you are set, you're good to go. Now, the college is focused on reaching the students who live off campus. What we have tried to do to reach off campus students, we've sent a couple of direct emails to any student who doesn't have an on-campus address. We know many of our seniors live off campus, so they're all getting a goodie box coming up soon for commencement with their diploma and some other fun things. Um, And in that is a reminder to fill out the census. We've continued the intercom notices almost every week. Uh, So we're still trying uh, to reach out to our off-campus students to encourage them to fill that out. 
We've also sent a couple of messages to parents because many of our students went home at the time parents would be getting the census. Baylor said that even if your parents already filled it out for you and counted you at their address, fill it out yourself using your off-campus address. If those students, those off-campus students, aren't counted at the place they uh, are supposed to be counted, which is at that off-campus apartment, the community is going to suffer for the next 10 years. When you think about students use the infrastructure that's in place. They use the roads and the bridges and the tunnels and that there's mass transit systems and they use, you know, funds for education and for healthcare and, and, you know, community parks and things like that. So it's important we get the message out. Even if students have already been counted at home on their parents, even if they were filled, their parents included them on the form, that's okay. And Brobo said that getting double counted isn't a worry either. We're able to identify you using the two pieces of personal information that you offer, your name and your date of birth, and make sure that you're not double counted at those two locations. It's not just college students. Organizers are trying to reach to make sure they get counted, according to Lane. We're also trying to get the word out to uh, help count young people, like children I'm talking about, that are often not counted. Uh, we're also quite concerned about our immigrant and uh, foreign-born population that uh, may not uh, or may be concerned with uh, language or other thing about other issues about reporting to the census. They may not trust the census and the confidentiality of that. Part of the press conference plan was to try to help people understand that the census by law is confidential. Getting the word out is more important than ever. In Tompkins County, we're seeing an undercount compared to 2010, according to Lane and Atkins, especially where students tend to live off campus. We know we're really severely undercounted in some areas, such as the college town area, where where we're, we're like 50, 60 percent countywide. They're only about 18, 20 20% uh, last figures I heard. What we're seeing generally in Tompkins County is that the count numbers are significantly lower than they were 10 years ago. So our assumption is that much of that undercount is probably college students, but we think generally people are being undercounted because it just has fallen through the radar for a lot of people. The deadline to fill out the census has been extended to October 31st. You can fill out the census online at 2020census.gov and by phone at 844-330-2020. And they're still hiring. Applications to be a census worker can be found at 2020census.gov. So we still need enumerators, those people that knock door to door, and that will begin in the middle of August. So anybody who's interested in doing some part of their civic duty, you need a little extra income. We pay $20 an hour. We reimburse 58 cents a mile for any travel that you're required to do. Um, and you would go door to door and encourage people to complete the census if they haven't done so already. For WICB News, I'm Erica Liberati. You're listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm your host, Tara Lynch. Earlier this week, many colleges and universities spoke out about an announcement coming from the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department. It said that international students who attend colleges in the United States may not be able to get a visa to return if their college has closed or remain online for the semester. News Director Jay Bradley spoke to students at Ithaca College and the Director of International Student Services 
to see how the campus feels about this and what is being done here in Ithaca. The United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement, better known as ICE, made an announcement earlier this week that shook the international student community. Non-immigrant students attending schools switching their courses to be completely online for this upcoming semester will not get the visas they need to enter the country, and that active students currently in the U.S. will have to either head home or transfer to an in-person school, if this is the case. It's not completely without precedent. Coming to the U.S. to take just online-only courses has not gotten you a visa in the past. But the difference is that these schools are not an online college in the normal sense. They are in-person colleges and universities that have temporarily chosen to go online for this upcoming semester out of concern for COVID-19. Also a problem is when schools like Ithaca College plan to have portions of the semester in person, but other portions online. And how exactly that could affect international students is unclear. It says that students who are studying fully online can't remain in the U.S., but it's kind of unclear how IC fits into that, if IC fits into that category, because after Thanksgiving, it's going to be fully online. So we don't yet know if we'll be forced to leave the country after Thanksgiving mm. or if we qualify as an in-person institution, even though it will be fully online after a certain point. That's Ted Maburu, a physics student at IC from Nairobi, Kenya. International students like him over the last few months have had to make tough choices on whether or not to go home. But if they were made to, it would raise a lot of issues. With this uh, proposed regulation by ICE, a lot of people think that once they're forced to leave, um, a lot of new travel restrictions and travel bans will be put into place to make it where we can't or it's, it'll be extremely hard for us to come back to the U.S. If he were to travel back to his home of Nairobi, he would have to spend a whole two weeks in quarantine before he could interact with anyone there. Even for those who have been able to get home, Diana Dimitrova, the director of international student services at Ithaca College, explained how just getting there has been a very difficult process too. You know, it's not easy to just leave Ithaca and, and, and halfway around the world, you know, it involves trains, planes, automobiles, um, visas, papers. This time, you know, transit visas were different. Um, some additional medical paperwork may have been required. So, so it was a lot of effort for people to make that choice, jump on it and logistically organize it. And also um, in the second half of March, um, travel restrictions were in place. Airports were shutting down. Airlines were decreasing service. So it was the, just the mere logistic of it uh, was quite taxing. Ithaca College released a statement shortly after the ICE announcement condemning the restriction, calling it unreasonable and unjust that international students would not be able to stay at their university if they were to only offer online instruction for the semester. Cornell has similarly denounced the announcement and has joined other universities like MIT and Harvard in a lawsuit against the restriction. Still though, Amulia Ravitej Bachala, 
an IC student from South India, was optimistic about the scenario for IC students, but recognized that it won't be the same case for many others. I'm um, I'm confident, or at least optimistic, that it shouldn't affect me or other international students at IC. But that's I feel like that's an extremely optimistic view because I'm pretty sure there will be a lot of students very negatively affected by that. And it's a very, I feel like the announcement itself was, it was taken without consulting any actual educational sector. And uh, it's, um, they didn't take into consideration that these are exceptional circumstances and this is not a normal condition for the world to be in. So it's, I feel like it's, um, it's not right to ask students to just get up and leave when there's so many things to, to be taken into consideration too. But despite the challenges, the school is there for students like Amuya, Ted, and the rest of the international student community at Ithaca College by keeping others there for them. Well, at IC, we've been having bi-weekly meetings with the International Student Office. Um, and that's to like kind of get us information, but also just to kind of have a community of people that we can talk to because unlike a lot of the American students who went back home, we don't really know anyone outside of school. Um, so I know for a lot of the other international students, it was a very like isolated time because everyone is just kind of gone. And then on top of that, uh, with a student visa, you're not, you're not allowed to get a job off campus. So we also can't work because campus is shut down. So we're just kind of sitting and waiting for something to change, I guess. Many of these students are still in the U.S. Some, like Ted, are living with family, but others, Diana said, are still using the campus. Well, certainly an option that was available, still is available. Eternally grateful to our colleagues from Res Life and from facilities and from dining services and OPS and the campus center. I mean, it was um, it was a huge um, endeavor to turn things around and make sure that folks can be accommodated and the keys work and the card access is intact and that they have what they need and that they have access to meals and to the food pantry. And... But just like everyone else, we're we're just trying to kind of wait to have solid information on anything and then act on that but we are kind of having to plan for every single possible outcome and then wait to see what happens we have many more questions than answers but information is forthcoming um keep sending questions you know i, I keep sending them out um as well and hopefully we will know more. Ithaca College is expected to come out with more information about this issue as well as more information about their fall semester in the near future. For WICB News, I'm Jay Bradley. Thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to Ithaca Now on WICB. I'm your host, Tara Lynch. It's no secret that stay-at-home orders, the sudden changes to people's lives, and the grief caused by COVID-19 are leading to difficult mental health problems for many people across the country. 
To hear more on this, correspondent Himadri Saif spoke to Dr. Sasha Lerner, a psychologist and associate director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services at Ithaca College on how COVID-19 is impacting students' mental health. According to the CDC, people have been facing a variety of mental health issues during the pandemic, including anxiety about getting the virus or giving it to loved ones, frustration about not being able to function the same way they once used to, among others. It's important to realize that it's okay to be feeling these things, and there's always someone out there to help if you ever need it. And so, I talked to Dr. Sasha Lerner from Ithaca College's Center for Counseling and Psychological Services to learn what they know about mental health during the pandemic and what resources they have to offer. I'm Dr. Sasha Lerner. I'm a psychologist and um, I'm associate director at CAPS. Um, I've been working at CAPS for five years. Um, let's see, two, a little over two years as associate director. What do you think are the major ways in which the pandemic has impacted mental health um, among people, especially students? Yeah, there's so many impacts. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, this is, this is sort of like, in some ways, it's like a universal trauma that we're all going through, I would say. But that, you know, that being said, it does affect different people differently. So, you know, on the one hand, just like the fear, like just living in the fear of getting sick. And like, we're just not, we're not used to that. You know, like we, we've never, I think most of us in our lifetime have never experienced that before, that kind of anxiety. Um, so just living with living with those kind of real fears and and in terms of covid like we still don't really totally know what we're dealing with right so some of that anxiety is really kind of founded you know um the so for people who have family that are working out in public or even for students that are working out in the public of course you know that anxiety might be even more heightened like being worried about your loved ones or yourself um, you know on the other hand I think some of the people that are working out in the public are so are, are so exposed they're, they're getting so used to it that I don't know if sometimes I think the fear can go down by virtue of that um, and then there's like the isolation, like not being able to see, you know, not being able to be close to the people that you love and care about. Um, that certainly takes a toll. I mean, we're, we're social creatures, like we're meant to be close to the people that we love. Um, I know I'm feeling that. Um, yeah, and so, and then, you know, on top of all that, like we're dealing with a really divisive political climate you know, that's taking a toll on, on people's mental health and people wanting to, to go out and protest and be active and then also being afraid to do so. So there, yeah, there's just so many, there's so many layers. And I think we're just, I, I think we're only going to see the full effect as the months go by. So um, I think drawing from that only, um, I also wanted to ask if, you know, people, there are people who've already had, um, mental health issues in the past, which are getting worsened right now. And how do you think that's happening? Yeah, 
Well, I think, you know, for people who have already existing mental health issues, um, one of the things that we, like with students, one of the things that we work on with them is helping them to figure out, okay, like what are the pillars that help me stay healthy? You know, maybe I suffer with anxiety and depression, but I know that one, some of the things that keep me healthy are like going to the gym, seeing my friends, you know, um, keeping a regular sleep schedule, um, seeing my therapist. And for a lot of people, they can't do some of those things, right? Or they can't do them in the same way. Um, or even, um, even eating disorders, for example, like just being home all the time without the structure that they're used to. Um, it, it's easier to feel like you can fall back into some of those um, unhealthy habits. So I think part of what's making mental health worse is that people can't turn to the usual things that help them cope. You're listening to Himadri Safe speak to Dr. Sasha Lerner, Associate Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services at Ithaca College. I was kind of wondering if the number of students seeking counseling has increased since, um, you know, COVID happened and, you know, since March uh, when the college closed down and there were still people who had to stay in their dorms and, uh, you know, be all by themselves during this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, we're definitely seeing still a lot of students. Um, you know, it's hard to compare it to what it was in person because it is different. And I think even, you know, having counseling on people's radar is not quite the same, but we're definitely, we're like, I still have a full schedule every single day. I'm, we're still getting new requests for counseling, which we're really happy about. Um, yeah, we, we've still been running some groups that are still filling up and I'm expecting that. So we've had like no shortage of, of requests, I would say. And we're still, I think we're going to be quite busy come the fall. Yeah. And because, you know, you mentioned, you asked me about like, how is this affecting students in particular? I mean, online classes, I think was really hard for a lot of people, you know, switching like that abrupt change from being on campus and then suddenly you're on spring break and then suddenly you're home for months, you know, I think was really, really hard on student mental health, that transition. Um, you guys didn't sign up for full-time online classes you know that's not that's not what you thought you were signing up for having to not showing up to a classroom and not engaging in that way um, and having all these some students were telling me that they felt like the work was more being online I don't know if you felt that way but um, and having to manage a schedule um, having like a lot of open time and just having to manage that schedule I think was really hard on a lot of students. I think then people's sleep schedules got kind of uh, wonky as also, and that made it harder to keep up. And then, you know, I think one of the things that gets people through classes and all the work is knowing, okay, well, but Saturday I get to go out with my friends. I'm going to like work really hard, but Saturday I get to go out with my friends. And then without, without having that, it's hard to stay motivated. So yeah, like, I think you mentioned that there's still some groups and stuff that have been filling out. So um, does CAPS like work the same way during the summer? Yeah, so we're still offering um, intake appointments. So in our, um, for like for first appointments, basically. So if a student has never been to CAPS, they can still start services is what I'm trying to say. Um, all they would 
all you have to do is call our CAPS front desk. So we still do have somebody running our front desk who will answer the phone um, during the during our daytime business hours. Um, and then they would she would help you schedule an appointment that would be remote, so it would be over Zoom. Um, and then we still have students fill out some paperwork online. So now this would be paperwork that you would have filled out in person. Now you fill it out online and it is um, secure, so it's still confidential. And then, um, yeah, and then the counselor can still meet with you and help you figure out like what, what kind of service do you need. We're not running any groups this month because our, this month we have fewer counselors. Um, some of our counselors are off in July, but we did over the course of the semester um, and going forward, we, we were offering like our anxiety skills groups. Um, we were still offering some of our um, our understanding self and others groups, our nourishing, we have a nourishing self group, and we had our belonging group that we're all still running, um, and they will continue to run. So I'm, and we are also planning to still do um, Let's Talk. I don't know if you've heard of our Let's Talk program. We're still, we're gonna start running Let's Talk again, it's all, but everything, all of our services for the fall are gonna be remote. So everything will be online this fall, except for very, um, we may have a counselor available in person for very, very exceptional situations. Um, just because it caps, it's, it's not safe for us or the students to be sitting in tiny, not tiny, but small rooms for an hour at a time. Um, and we feel that wearing, that making a student and making a counselor wear a mask during therapy session is really counter therapeutic. So that's why we feel, that's why part of the reasons why we decided to go on online for the fall. So do you think teletherapy has been uh, proving to be like a good substitute for face-to-face -face counseling? I think overall, yes. Um, we did put together a um, survey that we sent out to all the students who have been doing teletherapy with us or telehealth. Um, and we did get about a 50% respon response rate, which is pretty good. And overall, the, the resounding answer was yes, like we really like this, this is great. Um, you know, if we sent out that survey in six months, I don't know if we'd get the same answer. But with students being like, with students coming back to campus, um, and then doing telehealth, I don't know if it will be the same answer, but it's as long as students were home and doing it, they really seem to like it a lot. Um, there sometimes can be a little tricky um, pr for privacy. I mean, we really ask students to try to find a private space, even if that means going outside or going into a car, not driving, of course, but um, but yeah, but that can be a little tricky, but most students are able to navigate that. Um, but it also speaks to one of your other questions about what are some of the ways that the pandemic is affecting students. You know, for some students going home is, is great. And it, or at least it's a great situation for them where it feels safe, it feels nourishing. You know, they can, they feel like they can be totally themselves, but for other students going home does not feel good just might might actually be um, bad for their mental health or it might be kind of toxic for them so that's another way that I think the pandemic has affected um, students is that like being home has different effects for different people 
You're listening to Himadri Safe speak to Dr. Sasha Lerner, Associate Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services at Ithaca College. There was another part of this that I was wondering about. So um, uh, once international students end up going uh, back to their home country, uh, then, you know, if they have been availing counseling services in the past, they can continue those. So, like, I was wondering if you could tell me a little more about that. Yeah, yeah, that that is the case. Unfortunately, it's not something that we're happy about, but um, it has to do for that's that has to do with a couple different reasons. Um, one is about, unfortunately, is about liability. Um, so each, all the counselors um, on staff are either licensed in the state of New York or are working toward licensure in the state of New York. Um, and right now, because of COVID. Um, we're able to work with some students out of state, but typically that wouldn't be the case because typically our licensure requires us to only work with people in our state. In fact, we could actually get into legal trouble working with people out of state. Right now, because of COVID, some of those rules are being relaxed across states, but we are not legally able to provide services across, across international borders. Um, so we're actually putting our own licensure at stake if we do that that's that's one two is that if we have a student who is in another country and they are in crisis and they are a danger to themselves or, or to others we have no way to help them in an immediate in an immediate way right like if we need to get them to the hospital or if we need to get call uh, police or get them into an ambulance um, we have no way to do that if they're in another country. So that's another that's another one of the problems is that um, ethically, if we can't really be there to protect the client, then we can't really be working with them. But we do want to help as much as possible to help students in other countries try to get try to get connected to the support that they do need. I think just finally, like, are there any other mental health resources? Uh, that you would like to suggest for people outside of IC, just outside of CAPS, that they can reach out to um, if they if they feel the need to. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, so this is still CAPS, but we still have our um, after hours counseling available. So that's still available every night, Monday through Friday after five, and then twenty four hours a day on the weekends. Um, so we've, yeah, the, I'm so grateful to the administration for agreeing to continue to offer that service, even though um, financially the college is dealing with so much right now. Um, every, pretty much every state has a support line, especially to support people who are having suicidal thoughts, but the suicide lifeline, of course, is still, is a great resource that's still available. Um, I mean, the other thing that comes to my mind is we've got on our page, on our webpage, a lot of great apps that are helpful. And so that's obviously available no matter where you are. And for example, like Headspace, which is a great meditation app. I know at least back in March, I'm not sure about now, but they were offering a lot of free content that they they weren't, it was, they had free content before, but just but not as much as they do now. So that's also a great, a great thing. Um, 
Yeah, I think on our webpage, we also posted a bunch of really good resources for students of color during this period of time. So that would be a great thing to check out as well. It's important to take care of yourself. And that means more than just avoiding ice cream to not be scared to death by a cough or writing, stay six feet away on the back of your shirt. To get more information about coping with stress and anxiety during the pandemic, you can visit the website of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, you can dial 1-800-273-8255 to talk in English and 1-888-628-9454 for Spanish. Stay safe. For WICB News, I'm Himadri Seth. And that's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org. If you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud and subscribe to Ithaca Now on your favorite podcast app. And also hear the latest, our daily newscast every weekday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, just search WICB News Presents. For more updates throughout the week, follow us on social media. Search for WICB News on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And before we go, we have some thank yous for tonight. Manager of Television and Radio Operations, Jeremy Menard. WICB Station Manager, Sam Ives. News Director Jay Bradley, and of course, our correspondents Erica Liberati and Himadri Safe. All the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff. Have any feedback, story ideas, or just want to say hi, feel free to reach out by emailing news at WICB.org. We will be back next week with another summer edition of Ithaca Now at 7 p.m. on Sunday. For now, I'm Tara Lynch, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB Radio. Have a great Sunday night.